0: Welcome to the Mastering the Wine podcast. Today we welcome our 12th guest to the podcast. Her name is Tessa Roulard. Tessa is a Belgian professional football player who played in a variety of clubs across Europe. Tessa currently plays at Anderlecht in Belgium and has played for Standard Liège, Wolfsburg in Germany and at Manchester City in the UK.
1: Some of Tessa's major achievements include winning the Belgian Gold Shoe Award three times, being Belgium's international team current top scorer, Outside of sport, Tessa has managed to achieve a bachelor's degree in tourism. Tessa also recently founded Girl Power, where she coaches young girls in football camps, providing them with a space, allowing them to express themselves freely and empowering them to pursue their dreams and aspirations. Through Girl Power, Tessa hopes to contribute to the further development of Belgium's women's football, helping in terms of recruitment and encouraging new women's teams to be established. So let's welcome Tessa to the podcast.
0: Hi, Tessa.
2: Hi, good morning. Sorry for the delay.
0: There's no worries, no worries. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: Yeah, good. How was the concert yesterday? (laughs) Or the day before?
2: Uh, It was good. It was a bit short, I think. It was only one hour and a half. Um, But it was in a a football stadium in Ghent. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was cool.
0: That stadium is so nice.
2: Yeah, it was actually... Well, normally we would have played there um, one of our last games of the season, but then like 11 players from us got Corona and then uh, the game was canceled. So I didn't play in the stadium and I was disappointed. Um, so now I saw the stadium from the stands. So that was good as well.
1: Yeah. Have you got much on for the rest of the day after this?
2: Well, we got our first friendly today. OK, so, uh, yeah, I have to leave in like two hours. Okay. Oh, that's-, that's
1: perfect. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Something we like to do with our guests to sort of start off with. Um, is just to take you back right to the start. So growing up, what was it like? What motivated you to get into football? Um, were there any inspirations growing up that got you into football? If you to take us back right to the start, where, what would that look like?
2: Um, so right from the start, I was five years old and um, I was dancing before, but I, um, yeah, I didn't like it. Like dancing in front of a mirror, everyone watching you. Um, I had no rhythm at all, still don't have. Um, So then I was playing in my backyard with the ball and um, friends from my parents came on a visit and one of the guys was a coach, so the friend of my dad was a coach, and I asked him to play with me for like 10 minutes because I was bored and he said okay. And then afterwards he told my dad that I actually had qualities as a girl to play with the ball and that I should play um, soccer or like football. And um, 23 years ago that was quite a big deal. For a girl to play football, and my dad was a bit hesitating, but my mom said, "Like, well, if she wants to play, just let her play." And um, yeah, I've never stopped since then.
1: What motivated you to start initially kicking the ball? Like, was there any sort of players that inspired you, or, or parents, or anything no? I I didn't
2: really had a role model at all because 23 years ago, um, women's football in Belgium was not um, was not a big thing. Um, so I didn't even know there was like a national team. Um, Even later on, I didn't know you could like make your job of it um, abroad, Um, I had no idea, so for me it was just fun. And um, I like doing things where I'm good at and I was quite good at playing soccer and um, yeah, I joined a boys team back then. Um, But I think my rescue was that we were two girls, because um, if you're only one girl in a boys team, sometimes they just don't pass the ball to you or they don't like you, I don't know. Um, it's quite lonely as well because you have a different changing room and stuff. So, um, us being two was um, was my rescue, I think, because we played with the boys until we were 15. And, um, yeah, I would always say to, the, to little girls as well, like, join boys teams because the, the education is a lot better, unfortunately. Um, but, um, yeah, I always tell them as well, like, it has to be fun. Because if you if you play in a boys team and it's not fun, they will quit soccer anyway. So then there's no point. But um, if they like it and they have fun, then they should um, stay stay playing with girls. Uh, but boys, sorry.
0: So you started at ZULT. Um, so tell us about how that came about. So did you get spotted by a scout or how did you get involved in, at ZULT?
2: um i was i think 16 or something or 17 when i joined yeah 16 when i joined zult um that was it was the time for me to um to join a girl scene because we could only play with boys until we were 15. Yeah. um and um they at the end they didn't like us anyway because we were quite good and we were playing and they were sitting on the bench and then they were like why do we sit on a bench for a girl that's not nice even the parents were talking like that so it was the right time to change and um, I don't know if someone scouted me or if I just said I'm going to join them it was o- only second division so I was joining immediately the first team of Zilt. Um and um, yeah it was second division so it was quite easy to, to join the team and to step in and and, um, and and play on that level. It was not that hard and uh, I don't I don't remember sitting on the bench a lot so for me it was it was a good decision. It was close to my home, which was really good as well. Um, So that's it.
1: How did you find that initial journey, like growing up, obviously having to play in boys teams and like, what were the things that you learned throughout that period? And have you used some of the things that you've learned in your current career, uh, who you are now? Um,
2: Yeah, I would always say, as I tell the little girls, like, for me, it was always about having fun. Um, And and I think if you have fun, that's that's how you will improve and how you will enjoy training um, and how you will stay playing. Um, and next to that, I think, um, playing abroad, I learned to have confidence in myself and not, not really listening to anyone else saying differently. And, um, yeah, sometimes abroad, I, I really miss that part. So if I would ever go back playing abroad, um, I would have a lot more confidence because I'm older now as well. And I think you you gain confidence with getting older and um, and you learn to um, to trust yourself as well and trust the process and stuff. So um, just have confidence. Don't listen to it. To anyone else and have fun mm.
0: so you mentioned you actually played abroad so your first team abroad was wolfsburg um yeah. tell us how that transition was so did you kind of find it difficult to kind of adapt to the maybe like football over there or like the culture or was it pretty smooth for you
2: um I was 22 and I just uh, had my my bachelor degree, so I think it was a good time to leave Belgium. The Binnenleague, that was Mm -hmm. like the competition between Belgium and Netherlands, um, has what was coming to an end. So um, yeah, it was a good um, a good move, I think. Germany was back then the best uh, league in Europe. Now I would say England is, but back then it was Germany, and um, yeah, I didn't really hesitate because Wolfsburg was one of the biggest clubs in Europe. Um, they were really interested. They saw potential in me and I was flattered as well. So, um, yeah, I decided to go there. In the beginning, it was, it was quite easy to fit in um, because, uh, yeah, in preparation, I scored like, I think 35 goals or something. So I was quite confident and I was like, wow, this is this it? Like, will it be this easy? <laughs> um, but then uh, uh, the league started and I scored the first, the first uh, game, I scored a goal. But then, um, yeah, but then you see another side of football, of professional football maybe, that also stuff has to do with money. Yeah. And um, so for that reason, I um, ended on the bench and first season was quite hard. I It ended on, a, well, I wouldn't say a high the first season because we played the Champions League final and I came in and gave an assist to, to score the 1-1. But then we lost two penalties. But um, there I really showed um, that I can... Uh, up with the level and um and that i don't deserve to be on the bench so the second season was really good i played a lot and then third season i decided to um to go to england to city and then uh yeah when you when you tell them you're going to leave the club unfortunately you end up on the bench again um but for me it was the right time to leave i had won everything in germany i had a good time and um yeah close chapter
1: what was that like competing in the Champions League final? I imagine like that's obviously the pinnacle of football, apart from the World Cup final. So
2: yeah, I've, in my whole career, well, for now, I, I played two Champions League finals and um, we lost two times to Lyon. So um, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's still a, a disappointment in my um, in my career, I think. But still, it was good. It was nice to play it, and um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, of uh, of crowd and and media attention and. Um, it's really nice to play that final. I remember when the first one was in Italy and then um, planes, before the game, planes flew over the stadium, like with the colors of the Italian flag and stuff. So that was, that was, that was something different.
0: I have a question for you, Tessa. So you mentioned the Binnen League. So if you didn't know, basically like the Binnen League, is like the Belgian League and the, the Dutch League like merged into one. Yeah. But they're actually talking about doing that for the men's. What are your thoughts, Tess, on this? Because I know a lot of people like, are not liking this idea in Belgium, but it seems to be like uh, it might happen, it might happen you know, in the future. So I was curious to like, get your thoughts on that because you've competed in it. So
2: Yeah, if I would have the choice um, to do it back with women's football as well, I would definitely say just do it. It's, yeah. You have um, a lot more games on a high level. Um, it's a different competition, different style of playing. So you have to adapt to each other. You can learn from each other. Um, so yeah, I would definitely be pro biner league. Um, I don't know about financial stuff and, and all that, but um, only when we when we had the biner league, I know some teams um, they they dropped out or they had no more money because um, for us <clears throat> you have to think if you have to drive four hours with the bus before a game that's not possible. So back then when I played with Standard, we um, we slept overnight before the game or after a game. So then, uh, yeah, you need money for that. And some women's team didn't have it. But I don't think that's uh, that's a problem with men's team. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely pro.
1: I think that's like I didn't I didn't know about that. But I think that's uh, I think that'd bring more eyes to the league for sure, especially like combining the two. I think it become one of the um, one of the obviously not one of the biggest um, leagues in Europe, but like it would definitely be watched, I think. Um, Watching yeah. Ajax compete against some of the top teams in Belgium, that'd
2: be unreal. Yeah, yeah we actually played. Uh, well, our men's team played Ajax yesterday, and um, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of um, well, all the all the Avenis, um, could go to the game, and there was a lot of a lot of people there, and it was also on telly. So that's games that you look forward to, um, yeah. games against Ajax and and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I would definitely love a a, a men's penalty.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be watching an open versus uh, Bruges or something like this. I mean, there's no. even some dead games in England. So, uh...
2: I'm not saying names, but yeah.
0: No, uh, we're joking. We're joking. But um, so you mentioned that you went to City, so that must have been a massive step up because obviously, like in recent years, there have been like a huge team in women's football. So, tell us more about that, like your experience over there.
2: Yeah, everyone thinks it was a step up, but I think it was um, it was just different different type of football. But I think if we would have played Wolfsburg back then, I think Wolfsburg would still have won. Um, we're talking about three years ago now. Now I don't know the quality of City anymore, but um, it was a different style of playing. In, in Germany, it's like vertical play and just long balls and running a lot. And in City, we really started playing from the ground from the goalkeeper out. Um, and starting to build up and um, but yeah it was a an easy choice for me to join the city Um, I was uh, yeah I followed them already on on social media and and um, I think it's important that they believe in the women's team they have their own stadium next to the men's stadium they use the same pitches Um, so yeah for me it was it was easy to to go there and um, yeah I had a a really good first season where we won two trophies. And then the second season was a bit harder when Corona came in. And um, and I spent some time at home and I fell in love with home again. Um, so, yeah, that was it.
1: Which style do you prefer in terms of like the German style of play to, to the English style of play?
2: The football style of playing. So, um, yeah, building up from the goalkeeper, yeah. playing on the ground, technical stuff um that's more my thing
1: i feel like pep's been super influential to the whole of football from even down to like you see it in the even like the lower leagues of england trying to play off on the back now and you never would have seen that ever so i feel like he's having an influence over football in terms of how to play throughout which is uh obviously cool to see
2: yeah of course um, not every team can do it you need the right players as well and i think yeah. he's really good in managing that and um that's just what football is about i think i uh i'm not a um a goal scoring header person um so i will i will barely hit, hit the ball but then i think that's only like a small part of football i think the biggest part is just playing with your feet Yeah, for sure.
0: and culturally this is something i'm really interested in because i kind of have like an identity crisis because i'm from belgium i've lived there all my life but my parents are english so like for you was it difficult to adapt to the um, kind of Eng- english culture because for me home was always England before I moved there to go to university. And when I lived there like one or two years, I realized that Belgium was home. Like I don't identify with the you know English culture. So I'm really interested to like kind of, for you, was it kind of easy to adapt? Because it's quite special, isn't it? The English culture.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit different. And I would say I like the Belgian culture more, or like my own culture more than the English one. It was easier to adapt to the German. Um... Uh, culture than to than to the English. I don't know, you guys, there is a lot of um, fast food restaurants and you go out a lot, you get like really drunk a lot. I saw so many drunk people uh, or like young drunk people on the streets um, on Friday or Saturday evening and that was quite of a shock to me. Um, or when you go out, you guys, you or like the girls, they don't wear many clothes. So um, yeah, that was quite a shock for me. and. Um, also I yeah, it could happen in Belgium as well, but like when I when I was with the national team in September, um they broke into my apartment in England, which was uh, which was not nice either. So um yeah, that's not not so nice memories.
0: Thoughts, Holly? Thoughts? Can't
1: be the English culture.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing I'll give you like the English culture is the humour. Like the whole is coming home stuff, like that's, I find that quite funny, but I can see for like other people, it's like, shut up, like. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's the good sides
2: and a bad sides. A lot of people hated the Belgian team as well, like the French, they were, um, oh, the my French, God. France was um, yeah, making fun of us as well, but then, um, yeah, we don't really make fun of anyone else unless they make fun of us, and then if, if we, on the right time, we react, and that's what we did with France, and uh, yeah.
1: I love it, though, how, like, we were like, oh, it's coming home. That's sort of like our joke. We never really believe it, like, until you win the semi final you're like, oh, it might happen. But, like, it it sort of turned into the whole world against England. I I sort of, I think the English sort of thrive off that and that, like, we've got everyone sort of rattled it. And it's a
2: different kind of style, yeah. Um, I think that also proves that you have a lot of confidence and we have less confidence, I think.
0: Yeah. Not in penalties though, not in penalties. <laughs> um, but um but yeah, that's interesting to, to kinda of hear your thoughts on that. Um obviously like you've won so many stuff in your in your career, like, um, different trophies, but one that caught my attention was the Golden Shoe. I know how mm-hmm. it's how prestigious it's uh it's an award in Belgium. So for you, like what was it like to to kind of won three in your career?
2: Um yeah, it was good. The, we well before um, the golden boot was invented, or how do I say, it, called to life. Um, we only had the the, the men's um, boot, and then there was a uh, a golden pump or something, and that meant it was for the most beautiful wag. Um, so the most beautiful, um, yeah, girlfriend or, or, or woman from uh, or wife from uh, from a football player, and. Um, yeah, we didn't like that at all. As at all as female football players, um, so then they uh, yeah, they ch- they changed it, and uh, now the golden pump is not anymore. I think I actually have no idea, but um, yeah, we were really happy that they changed it and that we got more attention as well. And it's the it's it's a big night in Belgium. It's it's the biggest night um, in in the year for uh, for Belgian um, football. Um, so yeah, it's it's nice, and um, yeah, three is nice as well out of five, but. Um, yeah i still want more i have some more space um here to put some more golden boots on it because
0: mm-hmm. what happens generally is like the golden boot winner uh like leaves abroad because he's like the best player like in the men's particularly that's what i see it's like i ha- i've never seen really someone that's won it twice or three times so like for me it's like
2: um yeah there was one i think paul vanimst ah, um it. he retired a, l- a long time ago he won mm-hmm. three or even four i think and then you've got Hans Aken who plays oh, yeah, in twice, who won, who won twice now, uh, two years in a row, which is um, quite exceptional as well. So um, yeah, it's but it's different because for the men it's only the best, the best um, player in the in the league, and for women it's just the best player because we we have uh, yeah we have not so many so much choice I think or like so it's a bit different but it's still uh, yeah it's still nice. Mm.
0: Okay, go on. All. John's got a controversial question that he's been uh he's been wanting to ask you. <laughs> okay, so um, so obviously you played at Standard and then at Anderlecht too. And for like our listeners, because like most of them are from the UK, like that's a massive rivalry like between yeah. the two clubs. Like it's a Real Madrid Barcelona type, you know. Um, so how the like how was it kind of like transitioning from the two clubs? Did you find it like difficult in terms of like, or is it not too like, or is it like overrated this kind of rivalry? Would you say like?
2: Yeah, and in, in, in the women's league, there's still rivalry between the, the two teams. But um, back then I was only 18 years old, not really yeah. known. So um, going from on the left to stand, that was not really a big deal. Mm. But when now, Last season, I, I I signed for Anderlecht, uh, which is now what well, back then Stamlet was the best team in Belgium. So for me, it was obvious to go there. And now Anderlecht is the best team in Belgium, so there was uh, that was the only um, option for me to go there when uh, when coming back to Belgium. So now a few years later, I had some hate um, on social media and stuff. Um, people writing that I was uh, I don't know how you say it in English, but they yeah they didn't really like me anymore. Um, but for me Zulte stand I will always say Zulte Standard and um, and Anderlecht are always in my in my heart and had a special um a special place for me in my career so um it's not because I play for Anderlecht that I that I am hating Standard or or whatever they will always be special to me and I always have respect for them but for now I just play for Anderlecht
1: when you get that sort of, when, when people write to you on social media with hate, how do you sort of cope with that? Um, does it ever affect you or, or are you able to just move past it? Um, yes,
2: yeah, so sometimes I wish um, it didn't affect me as much. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I think people always forget that we are just people as well and we have feelings as well and um, more to that, we have a family and um, for me i yeah i don't like it when they write it but um then again i mostly don't care sometimes i discuss with my boyfriend like look what what this one wrote and then he's like yeah but look who it is like they don't matter yeah. so then he um it's good when i talk to him as well um but um as i said i have family as well and when they read it that hurts me more because um, i'm only their daughter or granddaughter and um yeah it's that hurts me more as well when they have to read or, like, go
1: through stuff like that. Yeah. Sort of going back to, obviously, England and the English culture. This is where I talk about the, the good things about the English culture, but also the really, really bad things. And I knew as soon as Rashford, Sancho, and Saka missed them penalties, I wasn't even gutted that we lost. I was more gutted for them lads. Like, straight away, I wasn't even like, oh, we lost. It was like, how are these lads going to bounce back from that? Because I knew exactly what was going to happen the next morning. And I just social media in general was just, such like there needs to be something done about obviously they're pushing for that ID You have to have identification now to, um, put yourself on social media. So you're held accountable for what you say on there. And I think that's definitely has to be done because it's becoming a bit of a joke now. Um, I
2: I totally agree. We have to do more about, um, online abuse or online negative comments because people, they think they can say and write everything without any consequences. And, um, yeah, I think so too. That um, Facebook and Instagram and stuff, Twitter, um, they have to, yeah, they have to dig deeper or like delete comments like that whenever mm. it's uh, it's negative or it's, uh, or or it can hurt people. So yeah, yeah, I totally agree.
1: Talking about penalty shootouts, obviously you've been involved in, in penalty shootouts. How do you sort of find them? Are you confident going up to the to the spot, or um, have you ever had feelings of real nervousness before going up? Because Russia's come out saying. Normally, he's, he's confident going in, but then obviously the whole weight of the nation on his shoulders to score, He that was the first time he'd felt pressure like that. How, how do you sort of cope with that?
2: Yeah, before a penalty, there's always stress involved, always. Yeah. There's no one that has no stress because you always think like, what if I miss? Because a goalkeeper can only win with a penalty, but you can only lose if you if you miss it. So yeah. I can totally understand um, what he's saying. And um, I'd rather take a penalty during a game than... Then after a game, because after a game, yeah, it depends Or if you win or lose because or during a game, you can you can still maybe say like, okay, I still have time to, uh, to make it right or whatever if I miss. So it's a whole different feeling. Um, I hate penalties after a game. I don't like it. But um, yeah, I, I try to step up and um, I'm 28 now, so I have some experience in it. Um, back then, when we when we did penalties with um, Champions League during the Champions League final with Wolfsburg, I had a good game, or like I came in and had a good game, and um, then I decided not to take one. I was only 22. I I was not ready for it. But then at the end, we we lost to penalties, and then um, I was disappointed not taking one because then um, it's out of your hands. You can you can help the team. Um, yeah, it can go both ways.
1: How did the uh, manager sort of select who takes penalties? Did he go around just after saying, do you fancy one? Or because I know that Gareth Southgate, he's chose it on success rate. Obviously, they've done like a competition and training throughout the whole tournament. And whoever had the highest success rate took one. I feel like a lot more goes into it than just success rate. Obviously, the, um, yeah, like the pressure. I think putting a 19 year old on the fifth penalty who's never took a professional penalty in his life, like, that's basically you're asking him to win the euros for you and that's unbelievable amounts of pressure especially if he misses i was speaking to someone in it he actually said that maybe put in not so good a penalty taker on the fifth but someone who's able to handle that if they do miss like a jordan like he was saying, the jordan henderson yeah. even though like obviously it'd be destroyed if you missed but he's able to cope with that afterwards um so yeah how did your manager sort of select uh who takes Penalties.
2: I think it also depends on the outcome of the penalties. If England would have won the Euros, no one would Zero. have said oh, that was a bad decision from the coach. So, um, but yeah, I agree what you're saying. And um, I also think the penalty takers depends on how the game went. If you if you had a good game, I think you should be confident enough to take a penalty. Um, now I'm uh, I'm not speaking for myself because I didn't take one. But still, you can. I think you have to let the players decide, and hopefully, you, you get to five that want to take a penalty. Um, I also heard that um, Grillish wanted to take one, so then why not? Um, and also, I think a, a big—it's—it's it's a detail, but still, I think like um, Rashford and stuff that he touched maybe one or two balls during the game. So how do you, how are you then? How can you be confident to then take a penalty without without really touching a ball? I think that's um, that's a bit weird.
1: It wasn't even just the game that he had touched the ball. He hasn't really touched the ball or tournament. He featured yeah. probably once during the whole tournament. Even for Sancho, he, he played one game. Um, and then you suddenly relying on him to to score the penalty, to bring it home. It's like... Yeah,
2: because even, even if they are still young, they have a lot of experience. But like when you don't play a lot in a tournament, it gets in your head and you you uh, you lose confidence. and. Um, as I said, we're only human and um, and confidence is a big thing in football. like it can make or break a player. And um, yeah, I think if he, I think also he, maybe he should have said it to the coach or I don't know and say, like, hey, coach, I, I don't think I'm ready for it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's the pressure. it's everything comes down to you and um, yeah, it's it's a big discussion.
1: Talking about the sort of psychological demands, obviously you talk about confidence, you talk about coping with pressure. Uh, something that I'm doing for my project during my um, studies is what are the most important psychological attributes you feel make a successful professional footballer? Uh, so, so what do you need to make into the professional game? So I want to ask you, what do you think are the most important psychological things and qualities you feel make a successful striker, a successful football player to make it?
2: Confidence. Yeah. I think, like, just believing in yourself and knowing, like, I can I can dribble this player or I can score this goal and um, to help me before a game or like an important game, I sometimes I save videos from goals or like good um, dribbles or actions, uh, whatever I did during a game and then I watch it in the bus or before a game and I think that really helps me get my confidence and i saying to myself like, hey, it's fine, um, you have qualities, you know, you can do this and um, just go into the game and believe in yourself. Yeah, um, I think- that's yeah, That's what I learned during my career and... Um, as I said, if I would ever go abroad again, I would, I would barely listen to anyone else and just do my thing and, and don't really care about it.
1: Yeah, I think as a striker as well, confidence is probably the main, the main thing that I love. I'm a striker as well, obviously nowhere near as good as you. But um, in terms of my Sunday league, uh, confidence for me is, is huge. If I'm not confident, I'm probably not going to score. Um, how, obviously, being a striker, everyone, every striker goes through a goal drought where you're not really scoring goals. How do you handle, because <laughs> when I go through these moments, I'm like talking about quitting football, like is this for me? Um, how do you handle those goal trials where you're not really scoring?
2: Um, then I try to um, like put an, a session extra during the week on training and and just yeah. uh, shoot to the goal to get the confidence where I came to see the ball hitting the, hitting the net. And that's something I've learned from my agent. He was a he was a good player as well, and he was an, an attacking player as well, and scored a lot of goals. And he told me, like, it doesn't even matter if there's a goalkeeper in the goal, just shoot at the goal. And um, during training, and, uh, and if you see the ball hitting the net, you get confidence as well. So, um, yeah, maybe that's a good um, that's a good thing to 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 tell anyone if they're not confident in front of goal. Yeah,
1: and then you find that like, once you get that that one goal after the trial, they will they will start coming. Uh, what about you, John? What do you think is the most uh, important? Actually, because
0: so John's a striker as well, so yeah, no, uh, yeah, I feel like confidence is super important. Um, and what Tessa said about uh, like seeing the ball hit the, hit the net like in training, like Alan Shearer always says this, like on the BBC, he always yeah. says that, so like I really resonate with that point. Um, but one question I was going to ask you as well so you mentioned that you there were some periods in your career that you had to like be benched and stuff. How do, how do you cope with that as a player? Because obviously, that you know.
2: Yeah, when I, so when I went to Wolfsburg the first season, I was quite a lot on, on the bench and I didn't really understand it because I thought I was as good as the players playing on the field. So for me, it was really confusing. And um, coming from Belgium, I, I didn't really know the feeling of sitting on the bench. So for me, it was hard. And um, then you start questioning yourself. And the, the first thing I did was calling my uh, my boyfriend, my agent, people that, that know me well and that... Um, and that have respect for me and that only want to give me good advice um so then i i talk to them a lot through the phone and um and, and try to just um um cope with the situation and just um show on training that i'm that i'm ready and um yeah it worked out well but it was not an easy time though
0: it sounds like your Asian and your boyfriend in a way were like your kind of like mental coaches like have you had an ex- any experience with like a sports psychologist in your career or
2: Um, we have one with the national team but um yeah for me it's hard to like open up to people that I don't really know about or like knowing that it's their job um I'm 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 more likely to speak to people that know me best and that um I have a good uh, connection with and yeah it's true I've, I've I've been with my agent since I was 17 so he he's known me really well and and you know how I am as a person as well and how I how I can react to situations or how I even think about situations before I don't really speak to him about it. So for me, that's uh, that's really important, yeah.
0: That's, yeah, that's really interesting you say that because like in Belgium, sports psychology and like kind of mental health isn't really talked about compared to the UK. And yeah, it's just really interesting to kind of have that perspective because obviously we're sports psychology students and we, we want to do the job like in, in a couple of years. So yeah, it's interesting to see the cultural. Uh,
2: yeah, I think I would rather talk to someone not sport-related, uh, psychologist maybe, just about life and how I am experiencing life next to football than rather just talk about football and stuff because I think it's also important how you are in life and that reflects how you are in sports and, and how you react to some situations. So I think I would rather talk to someone even um, when they don't know me at all just uh, to start from a, from a blank um from like blanco from from zero start from zero um and then maybe um tell everything that's uh that's going on
1: yeah as, as sports psychologist, to be fair um i know that my supervisor carl, carl steptoe we had a recent guest on and he said that he calls his his sports psychologist and more or less they they talk about like life problems and what's going on in his life so he says what was it john what um what the highlights of the week or something like that where yeah, he'll well. just talk talk about his life during that week. So I think sports psychologists can definitely um, definitely support you in your life because obviously life affects your performances on pitch as well. Um, yeah. how, how much do you value um, the mental side of sport? So if you were to put that alongside obviously developing technically, uh, physically, how important is the mental side of, of the sport to you?
2: Yeah, as I said, confidence is a big thing. So um, as long as you don't have that, and I think we, we really, as Belgian, we are really like, yeah, like especially for the women's team. I, I'm talking for my side. We're really down to earth, and sometimes we have too much respect for the opponent, and that costs us some uh, some some percent of our qualities. And then sometimes we lose games because we are afraid of the opponent or whatever. And I think if you're just confident enough and you believe in your qualities, we we would get. Um, even better results than, than we are having now. So it's a big thing. And I, I try to, um, so in the national team, I am the one who, who is always quite confident and I'm always saying like, well, the opponent, they, they have two legs as well and, and I have two legs as well. So what can they do more? Um, but yeah, sometimes it's really frustrating seeing my teammates having too much respect for the opponent or being afraid or whatever. And um, yeah, then I really get frustrated because I know their qualities and, um, and then we, we lose some, some games due to that. And then um, I try to talk about it because it's, uh, yeah, as I said, it's a big thing, it's a big thing the mental side. Mm.
0: It's clear for us that you're a huge leader in the national team, particularly like being the cap, like having the captain. Like, what for you makes a good leader?
2: Mm. I still have to learn a lot as a captain, though. But I, I try to, well, the coach talks a lot to me, what he expects of me as well. And it's not always that easy because I am um, someone really focusing on myself as well. Whereas if you're the captain, you have to think about the team as well. But for me, the most important thing as a captain is is what is what is happening on the pitch. And um, I think I still have to learn is when um, when when things are not going right, or um, we don't put uh, the right pressure on the opponent, or um, we have to we have to um, step back a little bit, like is taking the lead and just telling the team like okay we're going to do that instead of just thinking it in my head but not expressing it because uh, on the pitch i'm really a thinker as well because uh i'm always thinking like what, what can we do better where are the spaces um how can we score goals and sometimes i'm just too much uh, thinking in my head instead of just taking the team with me and talking with them so that's something i can i can learn but as i said um next to the pitch um yeah that's not really that important to me it's the most important thing is what happens on the pitch because i'm i'm 100 percent winner or like 200 percent i hate losing um so what happens on the pitch is uh, is the most important thing and as i said as well when we we lost to switzerland one time and we had too too much respect for them and uh and yeah that's when i uh yeah when i stepped up a bit and and and, and talked to the team like hey um we lost quality there because um we had too much respect for them and and, and we can we can do better and then the, the next game we we beat them four zeros so i was a i was a happy captain
0: <laughs> do you feel like it's difficult being a striker and the captain because obviously most captains are either like center backs or the goalkeeper they see the game you know yeah. do you feel because I feel, like harry kane for example also is a is, is a striker and a captain i feel like it's tough you know doing both you know you don't see the game the way a uh, center back and you know
2: yeah everything happens uh, behind your back so that's uh, yeah that's a, that's a good point it, it is it is difficult and also to you you don't have that many players around you you can only mm. talk with some midfielders and some attackers but you there's not really that much time to talk with the defense or with the goalkeeper how they see it so everything has to happen quickly and um, as i said i need to um, yeah, maybe speak more with, with the team as well during the game and not really only thinking in my head. But um, yeah, that's a good point.
1: Yeah. I think the captain sort of roles evolved a little bit from what it used to be. Um, I actually obviously interviewing people uh, for my projects, I actually looked into this and um, they've started saying that it doesn't really matter where where the captain is on the pitch um, as long as they've got the right characteristics um, for them. It doesn't really matter. They don't really have a preference anymore. Whereas traditionally, you'd, you'd look for a centre-back, centre-mid, goalkeeper along those lines. Yeah. So super I think it on, it's on,
2: on what the coach wants from you and how how the coach or how the yeah or how you see a captain. Some just want want a player that has um, really good qualities on the pitch and always performs um, like on on the same level. Um, but then you also have captains that are really leaders. You have captains that are just like um in between in between the team so it all depends on what the coach wants of course and um yeah -hmm. yeah, the the game is evolving and the captain's role is evolving as well and and sometimes I'm 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 also saying like i still need to be me as well and and there's there's so many things that are expected from you sometimes that you can lose yourself as well or like your qualities as i said sometimes i'm thinking too much uh inside my head for the team how we can improve and then i i lose my own my own game a bit so um yeah, you have to have a bit of both yeah. have
1: you ever have you ever had any injuries throughout your career uh, that you've had to cope with or have you been had a quite a clean slate
2: mm, no i've no not not big injuries though um yeah. but um sure. no i've only been out for like maybe two weeks max so um i've been really lucky um but though i take care of my body as well a bit so um uh, like doing exercises and stuff and and talking a lot with the physio and um yeah that's that's a thing as well you have to take care of
1: mm. one of the lucky ones
0: yeah
2: yeah <laughs> yeah
0: but um but yeah that's really interesting A uh, really cool conversation but um i think now's a good time to kind of like talk about your projects outside of sports um so obviously you mentioned earlier that you had a bachelor's degree so this is something we we really promote on this podcast is having like an option for like professional athletes is having an option outside of sport, you know? So what happens after your career? What happens if you do that career, if you do get that career ending injury? So tell us more about your thinking of going into education. What was your goal? Like
2: Um, for me, it was obvious. I I first wanted to have a degree before um, leaving abroad. So um, my parents as well, they, they thought it was really important because as you said, you never know what can happen, and then there's a live after football as well, so I will always have a backup. I don't think I'll ever, maybe, well, never say never, but I will ever do something with my degree. I have one in tourism, which is really cool. Actually, the only thing I, I want to do with my degree is being a steward on a plane. Mm. I think it's really cool, and... um Yeah, we'll see about that, because now with Corona, there's not many jobs left in that sector, but we'll see. But I thought it was really cool, but next to that, I don't think I will do anything with my degree. But it's a good backup, and um, yeah, I had to study for it. So, um, um, yeah, I'm happy I did it back then, because um, going out of school and then maybe after a few years going back in or starting to study again, I think it's really hard. Um, But yeah, I know a lot of players that have have no degree, and and then I think... um, well, I hope you will get back on your feet after your career, but um, yeah, we'll see.
0: Was it hard to cope with, like, taking the degree and then focusing on your football as well? Or was it quite smooth for you?
2: No, for me it was quite easy, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, it was it was not that hard to get my bachelor, maybe. I was a good student as well, though I, I went to every, well, every day I went to every, every course almost. So um, I think I was just a good student, but um i went to school until 3:30 in the afternoon and then my mom prepared um something to eat because then i had to leave to uh, to drive to standard which was which was two and a half hours drive so um back then i didn't really have a life next to soccer and school but i was fine it was it was not an effort for me It was something i wanted to do and and i had fun in it so that was the most important thing uh, but i'm happy i have a degree now i didn't even have time to get it my mom did it or my parents did it because i already left to go to Wolfsburg. um but yeah i'm happy i have it
1: we had a sort of similar thing where we, we both graduated and then didn't get a graduation because of covid um, so we just got our thing in the post. Uh, so, so That's
0: good. <laughs> yeah. Four years of study just for a letter in the post. Yeah. yeah. But but in Belgium, I swear you guys don't really celebrate it as much as like you know in the US, like you know the the little hat and like you know the photo. I swear, like you know in Belgium it's not that big of a deal. I don't know. No,
2: that's
0: true. That's true. So yeah, but us it was quite disappointing. But uh, yeah. hopefully we I get one I love have... from. Yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, so, I know that there, uh, there's still like a few more years until your career ends. But, um, <laughs> I hope so. Ha- yeah. Have you thought of your plans after your career? Like, I know you mentioned like maybe having that job in, you know, as um what do you call it? Um, in the tourism. Tourism. Uh,
2: Stewart, yeah.
0: Yeah. Stuart. It- have, you- have you decided of other options or?
2: Staying yeah um, I well, I have to tell myself every day that I'm really lucky. like my, my biggest dream I didn't really have a lot of dreams when I was young, but one of my dreams um, during my when I was playing football was being professional in my own country because I was so jealous at the German or the English players that they could just like be professional in their own country and close to their family. So um, yeah, my dream came true. But then again, um, I just want the whole league to be professional because that's a lot better for the girls and to to reach a higher level. Um, but my point was that I have to tell myself every day that I'm lucky um, because I, yeah, we only train in the evening because the girls, they, have, they, they go to work during the day and then we train at six, seven or eight in the evening. Um, so I'm really fortunate that I actually don't have any other things to do during the day. So I tell myself that every day, but then again, um, when it comes to work, um yeah i'm telling myself like like enjoy your days now because one day you will have to get up and have to go to work so mm-hmm. i want to do something that um i i want to have a job later that makes me realize that that my life and, and the people around me that that we are that we are um lucky to be like healthy and stuff so maybe a job i want a job that like um makes me realize that so i don't know what job that will be but something um, meaningful. And next to that, um, I have my own company now, which is Go Power. And um, I organize soccer camps as well for girls. And um, that shows me that there's still like a big beautiful side, uh, football side. Um, because as I said, there was some some, some ugly sides as well abroad with, with the money and stuff. So when I give training to them, I am I'm really happy. I'm happy when they're happy. I'm happy when, they, when I can teach them stuff. Mm. Um, when they write me on Instagram, like, um, look, I have a, 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 a picture from you in my room or um, "Or we won the game on Saturday and I, I dribbled the girl with uh, with something I've learned from you on camp and that, that makes me really happy. So if I could, my biggest dream is maybe having my own football school or something.
0: Yeah. That's really cool.
1: What is sort of your goals um, and ambition? Is it, is it just the school or, or why did you sort of start? Go Paul.
2: Um, why did I start it? Because I had time to do something, um, for my own. I like being independent as well. So, um, okay. a, a thing I really missed being abroad is, um, it's only playing football and next to that, not really having anything in life. Um, it was quite lonely. Um, so yeah, being back in Belgium, I, I had time to do something and yeah, maybe it's, it's the start of something big. We don't, I don't know. We will see. We just started one year ago. Uh, we had our first, um, like, overnight sleeping camp this summer, which was really cool as well. And there are people that really believe in girl power and that think it's really cool. So um, there will still be some some projects coming. Um, and, and, and we take it step by step. And, um, yeah, we will see where it goes, but it can be a, a good first step for my, for my job later. We will see.
0: Mm-hmm. So you kind of mentioned that football, like women's football, is still not as popular in belgium compared to maybe other countries do you kind of i don't know like teach the girls that, that are in the camp any like values or you know tip or provide them any tips or anything like that in in your camp as part of your camp
2: yeah i i for me it's also important to have like a, a connection with them and know a bit about their lives so there was one girl coming to me saying like hey i'm playing i i'm playing in a boys team but they never passed the ball to me and then uh, I felt really sorry for the girl and I just told her like well if you don't have fun just change to a girls team and uh, she actually changed to a girls team now with some other girls that came to my camps and and mm-hmm. she's really uh, really happy now so for me that's also really important that I can help them um in that way and girl power actually stands for just believing in yourself having the confidence um and and not really listening to anyone else and just make decisions that make you happy and that's what uh what I try to tell them, and, and next to that, just have fun. And um, my trainings are always a combination of having fun and and uh, and technical stuff because I think um, technical stuff um, when you when you're real technical and you have speed in women's football, you have a, a big advantage. So that's why I, what I th- try to tell them as well. And sometimes parents come to me for advice as well and and asking me like, uh, well, my girl is 11 years old. Should I uh, send her one one time a week to the gym? And then I'm like. No, not at all, she doesn't need that. Um, I only started gym when, when I was 22 years old, so um, it's not it's not necessary. Just um, just give her a ball and a wall and, and let her play against the wall. And, and that's how I um, developed my technique as well, just playing alone with the ball. And um, I think that's the most important thing.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes parents can get quite bogged down in trying to make their kid make it and it, they're in a rush to make them get into an academy or things like that, but promote yeah. enjoyment yeah nowadays, nowadays they
2: put so they put so much pressure on their child as well because um yeah especially the women's game is evolving a lot and they want their girl to be uh, to be professional and they want her to to win this and this but i'm like she just needs to be happy and and, and she she just needs to like uh like playing football and and having fun in it and then she will uh, she will develop uh, as well so um i think as i think the biggest thing in life is just to be happy and it doesn't matter what you What goal you reach or whatever, if you're just happy, then it's fine. That's so
1: true. There's been a lot of initiatives in the UK um, to sort of stop. um, You see, with like when I was growing up, like dads like always shouting on the sidelines, do this, do that. But that will lead to the kid then having a hatred towards football because when they go, they get shouted at. Um, If you're promoting enjoyment, which obviously you're doing the right things, they're going to want to play football for a prolonged period of time and hopefully get a career out of it.
0: It sounds like a fantastic yeah. project that you have going there and um yeah we're all for it and yeah we're more than happy to contribute help out if anything so yeah fantastic awesome. i'm not i'm not seeing anyone in, in in belgium like doing that so yeah massive uh, props to you
1: um in terms of uh so there were all the questions we had for you but we asked our instagram if they got any questions for you um so this is yeah. sort of the segment where we go on to that uh, me and john normally ask one for one so The first one is um, what are your thoughts on the Euros and Belgium's performance?
2: Um, Yeah, I was a bit disappointed and I think Um, the whole nation was disappointed, but the team as well, Um, I just think to reach a final to win the Euros, like the pieces from the puzzle have to fit and have to fit. And that's that didn't happen in our case. We had some players injured just coming back from injury, not really being fit and um, um yeah, we didn't really ha- had that that big of a squad like England had like on the bench. You had so such incredible um quality and we didn't we didn't really have that as well and I think we're now coming to uh, to an end of a generation and like the transition with the young players as well. So I think um yeah, we'll see how it goes with the nations league. There's a lot of pressure on it now. Um so we will see how it goes. But um in terms of the Euros again, yeah, um I think the whole team um, was 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 disappointed as well, and um, it was quite. Um, they didn't really post anything on social media until a few days after they they went out of the of the quarterfinal. So that that shows that they were really disappointed and didn't know what to say. And um, yeah, yeah I'll, I hope they they will get better results next time.
1: What about you, John? Well 'cause Because I haven't heard your reflection on Belgium's performance.
0: Obviously, your chances for England, but I'm not having that. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, just like Tessa said, it's disappointing. Like, obviously, yeah, it's just like the defense was a bit shaky, um, but I thought they did okay. Um, It's just like, yeah, like Hazard coming back from injury, like hasn't really played a lot of football this past year. De Bruyne is obviously like fried, um, like in the quarterfinal, he he had an injury apparently when he was playing. But but one thing that I really loved was uh, seeing Jeremy Doku play because for me this is this was a player i wanted to see in the euros and that quarter final game was like so exciting to watch so yeah uh, i'm really happy he he had an opportunity to show the world who he is because this guy is unreal like (laughs) he's got a lot to develop but yeah very very good talent this guy anything i was
1: shocked about in terms of belgium was (sighs) I really rated that um, Boyata, um, he obviously yeah. played the first initial games, and then he got dropped for Denier, and he didn't play so well, like, he cost a couple of goals, I think, uh, when he played, and then you went for Vermaelen, but I think, I think, if you had Boyata, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Boyata, Boyata. Mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like he was such a good defender, and I, I feel yeah. like he would have solidified your defence, especially against Italy, you got knocked out to one, eh? yeah, yeah, nah, they, were, they were unreal when they played you, to be fair,
0: but yeah, so our second question for you, Tessa, is what are your hobbies outside of football?
2: Um, my hobbies. Well, as I said, I'm, I'm giving training. I don't know if that's a hobby. Oh, yeah. yeah' um, my say. camps, um, watching telly, um, reading a book, but only when it's good weather. So not that often. And then, yeah, just I have a dog as well. So he takes up a lot of time as well. Um, do you do you guys know Do you guys know um the famous goalkeeper Jamalifov? No. No, he played no. in uh, in Bayern Munich.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, my dog really looks like him. They have oh, the same. Oh my name. god! So our our dog's name is marie as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're massive dog dog lovers. Uh, Oli has uh, a Absolutely. bunch of dogs. Yeah, a bunch of dogs at home. Uh, yeah, I,
2: I. I have a picture where puff is on the telly, and then. <laughs> We hold our dog next to it. I'll show you later. Um, yeah, it's really funny. Yeah.
0: Thank
1: you. Uh, can't wait to see that. Um, <laughs> so the third one is, uh, what advice would you give a young girl who wants to make it as a red flame?
2: As I said, just have fun. Um, believe in yourself. And make choices that make you happy. Um, and, and, and yeah, don't put a lot of pressure on you. Just have fun and you will develop. And I think every time we come at the right time and uh Yeah, I always make choices depending on how I feel. Um, So then you can never really regret it. Um, So that's it. nice.
0: Our fourth question was, how do you mentally prepare for a game?
2: Um, Yeah, as I said, I always tell myself, um, even if I know the opponent is really good, like they only have two legs, I have two legs as well. So um, anything can happen. And um, um, as I also, told you before, um, watching some videos of myself during a game, some nice goals, some nice dribbles, just getting the confidence and um, being ready, but even for an important game, I really don't put a lot of pressure on it, and um, especially when I'm now back in Belgium, I always tell myself, like, there's more to life than just a a football game, so um, that helps me, like, getting calm and just, um, yeah, not putting so much pressure on it.
1: That theme's come up before in terms of you said you, you've got two legs, they've got two legs and sort of another person said it's, it's 11 versus 11 at the end of the day, like 11 yeah. players versus 11. So why why can't we beat them? Um, I think that's definitely a, a thing you have to have in your mind. Um, don't overhype the, the opposition. Yeah, it's putting yeah. things
0: into perspective, you know, yeah. like <laughs> not always over dramatising stuff. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's good OK,
1: next one is um, Who's currently the most exciting emerging Belgian talent in the women's and men's football?
2: Oh, um, yeah, I would say Doku. I think we will see uh, a lot of stuff from him. Well, like I have high expectations. I think if he really wants to, he he can be the new um, Hazard. So uh, we will see. He definitely has the the qualities for it, and they're quite the same players, like speed, dribbles, um, wing player. So we will see and from the women's side um I actually have no idea there's some good talents coming up um, but i always say a lot can happen and um, you also have to have be lucky that you have no injuries or like no really bad injuries um and that you that you still um like keep your feet on the ground and just um keep working and um that's also a thing now now the women's side has um or like the women's football in Belgium is evolving. Like there's more sponsors and and whatever. So um, before I got some pair of shoes for free, I I had to like do a lot for it or work a lot for it. And now um, they can get it a lot more easier, which is good as well because then they're they're more comfortable and they don't have to think about it. But then again, sometimes they forget that they still have to work for something and that nothing comes easy. And um, that's maybe... It's 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 not a negative side, but um, as I said, a lot can happen. They have to make the right decisions and uh, keep their feet on the ground, get a degree, um, and then they can they can they can look to, to, to make the next steps. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so our last question is, who's the best player you've played with and played against?
2: Um, I'm I'm really a fan of Pernil Harder. She I played with her in Wolfsburg, and I think her and Carolina Hansen. Is uh, is one of the best I played with in Wolves Work um, and against. That's a good question. Um, actually I actually have no idea. Mm. No one.
0: <laughs> yeah. No one. That's that's strong enough. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I played against a lot of good players, of course.
0: <laughs> what would be like your I don't know top three? Make it maybe easier for you.
2: I, I, from players I played against.
0: Yeah, like the best.
2: Maybe it's. Uh, not- oh wow! um Now I'm thinking about defenders, huh? Yeah. Um. Actually, I have no idea. I'm not really. Yeah, I, I don't really re- remember like any exceptional defenders. I just play with good defenders and stuff, but. Yeah, that's um, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah,
1: uh, but. Sorry. In terms of uh, all the questions that we had for you, that's everything. So thanks so much for sharing your time with us. Obviously, you've got a shoot-off for uh, your first family. So good luck with that. Thanks. Um, but yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it.
2: Me too. Good luck with the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, so in terms of the outro, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you could please share this with your friends or someone you'd feel would benefit from it. Most importantly, like, subscribe. Comment down below any questions you had um, or comment down below any guests you'd want us to get on in the future. Other than that, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Hey guys. (laughs)